Amen. Well, throughout my life, some of my most important relationships have been long-distance relationships. When I was going into eighth grade, I went into FUEL. FUEL is the national youth camp in our conference where it brings in youth aged eighth grade on up, really throughout the, all over the country. And so it's a really awesome opportunity for a, a youth member to go and, and meet people who think have similar ideals and values and beliefs as you and get to know them. And backstory about me a bit, uh, I came from Garden Park Church up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It was a very small church where youth group mostly consisted of my younger sister, whether I was in the, uh, the younger class or my older sister, and I was in the older class, and my cousins as well. And that was a lot of the, the youth group, the, the Sunday school classes that I had a privilege and honor being a part of growing up. But it, I always loved opportunity getting to meet new believers, new Christians who were younger, around my age, and fuel was that opportunity for me. And so my first year at camp, I met a special lady by the name of Jamie, who now happens to be my wife. Now, when she, she was special to me when I was going into eighth grade, probably not for a reason that you would expect. Uh, Jamie was special to me in eighth grade because she was dating a guy uh, who I would meet at Fuel that year and would almost instantly become my best friend. Uh, that's Luke. Some of you guys may know uh, Luke Elwell, who now happens uh, to be John and Neola's son-in-law. Small world. Uh, but Luke lived in South Carolina, and I lived in Michigan. I didn't have a phone at first, but for Christmas when I was in eighth grade, I got a cell phone. It wasn't quite a flip phone, but it was one of those phones where you slide up and you have the keyboard there to text all of your buddies. And so I remember when I got my phone for Christmas, I was super excited. One of the first guys, probably the first person I did text, uh, was Luke, guy's number from my older sister. And so I, hey, what's up? This is Kyle. I finally got a phone. So excited. When I got that phone... We texted all of the time. There was a bit of a bromance going on there. Um, and over the years, we would message back and forth all of the time. I didn't text anybody uh, more than I did with Luke uh, year in and year out. And then I went through high school, graduated high school, and then I went to the Atlanta Bible College. And before long, I met, uh, I didn't meet, but I was uh, joined up with a special lady there, Jamie, again. She was special to me this time for different reasons. Uh, before long, I fell in love with Jamie. And it was great while we were in school because we were right next to each other, but over summer breaks, she went to her home in South Carolina, and I went to my home up in Michigan. And I, I did not enjoy that element of our relationship very much, but we texted every day throughout the day. We'd call a handful of times uh, throughout the week as well. Uh, but there was a, an important long-distance relationship in my life again. And then I moved to Ohio and moved away from all of my family. Hard to do when you're close to your family, but we have technological advancements that make that a bit easier. And so we FaceTime my parents a couple of times each week. Jamie FaceTimes her parents a couple of times each week. And it's a great tool to have with the little ones, Ezra and Ayla, so that uh, their grandparents can watch them grow up a bit as well. 
And so throughout my life, some of my most important relationships have been long distance. And each of these three instances, whether that be my best buddy Luke, whether that be my girlfriend at the time, Jamie, or my family, in each of these three different instances, there was a very strong effort put forth to commune with those who were not physically close to me. I wanted to continue to grow closer to them, even though the physical distance uh, was a bit of a hamper in our relationship. And many of you guys have been put in the same exact situation as well. You have someone, you, you may have someone who is very dear to you who lives far away. Maybe your kid lives far away from you. Maybe you moved away from your parents or your parents moved away from you. Maybe you have a dear friend that you grew up in school or whatever. You met at church camp and then you guys moved away from each other. And because they are important to you, I'm willing to bet that you make a deliberate effort to commune with them, to connect with them, because you want to continue to grow closer with them. How many of you guys like that? How many of you guys have an important long-distance relationship in your life? Yeah, uh, uh, probably the majority of us have a very important long-distance relationship in your life. And there's a lot of similarities between that long-distance relationship that you have with that important person in your life and the relationship that you share with God as well. While God's spirit is ever present with us, we, we, we uh, learn of that detail throughout the scriptures through the Holy Spirit. We, we have God's spirit living within us. And so in a sense, God is omnipresent. He, he is present everywhere we go, everywhere we can think of. But at the same time, God himself is depicted as sitting on a throne in heaven. And so there is a physical distance there. And so we can't see God in person, just like the relationship that we have who are long distance. We can't, uh, a lot of people haven't heard the physical voice of God. Some have heard the physical voice of God throughout scriptures. Even modern times, people have heard the physical voice of God. But a lot of people at least frequently can't hear the physical voice of God uh, in person like we can't hear the, the physical voice of our loved ones in person um, other than through uh, the technology. And so you hear a, um, a, a form of their voice. And so just like we make an effort to commune with our loved ones who live far away, we need to make a very strong and deliberate effort to commune with God. And we are talking about that vehicle to make this possible and how we commune with God as we begin our new series, Communion with God. Now, what is communion? Well, communion is the sacrament of a Christian worship, worship service where we eat bread and drink of the cup that represents the body and blood of Jesus that was broken and, and his blood that was spilled on our behalf. But that is not the type of communion that we're going to be talking about throughout this series. Merriam-Webster also defines communion as an intimate fellowship or rapport. And Oxford Languages also defines communion as the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. So when we're talking about communion with God throughout this series. We are talking about the establishment of an intimate relationship with God through the exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings with God. So an intimate relationship with God through an intimate sharing of our thoughts and feelings with God. And so just like you put forth the effort to call, text, visit, or write to your loved ones to live far away from you, you have to seek to connect and commune with God through 
prayer. Prayer is the means in which we have communion with God. As prayer is the establishment of an intimate relationship with God, and prayer is the exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings with God. And so you can think of a lot of similarities between those phone calls, texts, uh, those messages, those trips, those visits, to the prayers that we have with God. As we seek to commune with God, we seek to establish an intimate relationship with God as we exchange intimate thoughts and feelings with God. And so as we go throughout this series, today we are going to be answering two basic questions about prayer, the, the, the main vehicle in which we have communion with God. And those two questions that we're going to be answering today, one is, what is prayer? We've kind of already uh, b- begun to answer that question. The second answer is, why pray? So what is prayer and why pray? Then in the following weeks, we'll discuss how to pray. We're going to discuss maybe uh, saying less in our prayers, listening more, saying less. We're going to discuss the prayer of a righteous person is truly very, very powerful. And we're going to discuss learning how to pray without ceasing. And so today, as we answer these two basic questions of what is prayer and why pray, but we serve a God who is seated on his throne in heaven, and that can make it a bit difficult at times to feel connected to God as you don't see him in person. You can't hear his voice in person uh, more often than not. And so prayer is the vehicle in which we have been given to help us connect and commune with God. And so because of this, prayer needs to be personal. It must be personal. Prayer is not meant to be transactional. Some people treat prayer like a transaction where they get a sense of accomplishment as they check it off of their to-do list. If you're organized, you you like to have those to-do lists, you might have uh, pray to God on your to-do list and you get a a sense of accomplishment saying, I've done it. You ask God for this, this, and that, and you call it a day. He said, I, I, I've done it, I've accomplished this, I, I finished this transaction, and now I can move on, uh, dust my hands off, and, and I can get on with the rest of my day. That, that is not how prayer should be treated. It is not treated as a transaction. It should be very much personal. As the purpose of prayer is not to get something from God. You know, prayer is not the means in which we connect with a genie in a bottle that will, that will grant us three wishes throughout our life. Uh, but if we were to listen to some people's prayers, that's what some would conclude that the purpose of prayers is. Some just go down a list of things that they want from God. Dear God, keep my family safe. Watch over my Aunt Betty. Help me get that promotion at work. Talk some sense into my spouse. Amen. And sometimes that's what a lot of people's uh, prayers uh, focus around, these different things that they are seeking to get out of as they treat prayer as the means in which they get things from God. But, But that is not at all the purpose of our prayers. The purpose of prayer isn't to get something from God, but it is to grow closer to God. As prayer is a means in which we connect with our Heavenly Father. We put forth the effort to call, text, or write to our loved ones who are far away. We are seeking to grow closer to them. And the same is true when we pray to our Heavenly Father, whose spirit is ever present with us, but who resides in heaven. We are seeking to grow closer to God. 
That should be the primary purpose, the primary focus of our prayers is to grow closer to God. When we communicate with God, we can communicate with him like we would as a loved one, like we would as a dear friend of ours. When we read about one of the heroes of our faith, Moses, we see that Moses, he had that same sort of relationship with God. Exodus 33, 11 reads, Thus the Lord, that's Yahweh, God, used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. How awesome is that? You know, Moses had, had, had a unique relationship with God. And here I uh, described that, that God would, would speak to Moses face to face. And so maybe we don't have that same sort of, of element today, but we certainly can have that same sort of element where God is speaking to us as a man speaks to his friend. As God and Moses, they had that tight relationship and, and God, in, in, in essence, was like a very dear friend that Moses had. That's the type of relationship that Moses had. That's the same type of relationship that you and I can have with God as well. If we don't currently have that sort of relationship with God, that's the type of relationship that we should be striving for that we can commune, that we can connect with him like we would a very dear friend of ours, where we can open up about our honest thoughts, our honest feelings about what we desire, about what we need, and you can do life with them. We're doing life with God, sharing these intimate thoughts and feelings with God. You know, if you're anything like me uh, and you're as you grow up throughout your life and you are gaining new friends, you're losing friends, you're seeking to gain new friends, at least I'll speak for myself. I'm guessing most of us have been in this situation as well, where you seek to establish a new relationship with someone, you seek to grow closer to someone, but the other person doesn't seem interested in replicating that desire. They aren't interested in being as dear of a friend as you strive for. Think back to your high school days when maybe you had a crush on, on that special guy or that special lady as you wanted to get closer to them, or maybe they weren't too interested. Maybe you have a friend at work who you share some similarities with and you want to get closer with them and you continually make the effort to try and get closer with them but they aren't really too interested in being that close of friends with you. I know uh, some instances where this can happen with family as well, where maybe a parent, a child, a sibling, aunt or uncle, cousin, you name it, they are seeking to get closer with this family member, uh, but the other family isn't too interested and, and they get a bit of the cold shoulder. I'm sure we've all been there before. And we all know that that is not a fun place to be in. When you find yourself in that situation, you often are left feeling pretty poor about yourself. Well, the good news for us in our personal relationship with God is that we are assured this will never happen to us. In James uh, chapter 4, verse 8, I love the book of James a lot of practical information and how we can live our lives as Christians. James addresses this topic of drawing near to God. And James says in James chapter four, verse eight, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
It's not if you seek to draw near to God, he might be interested in doing the same thing. If you're really good about what you're doing, if you read your Bible today and yesterday and you will tomorrow, then God will draw near to no. No, it reads, if, or it doesn't say, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you are seeking to draw near to God, then he will draw near to you. There, there are no buts, ands, or ifs in the situation. This is a very simple cause and effect formula. The cause is you seeking to draw near to God. The effect is God in turn will draw near to you as well. As God desires a relationship with everyone. He desires a relationship with you. He desires a relationship with your children, your parents, your friends, uh, the enemy at your work, the, the, the person across the street, the person who sits on the other aisle of, of the political situation. God desires a relationship with everyone. And he is simply waiting for us to make a move. And I say that, but God has already made countless moves to seek a relationship with us. God created us in his image. There's no, there's no reason why God needed to create you and I in his image. There's no reason why he needed to create us in the first place, but he created us in his image so that we could relate with him. He made a way possible for us to communicate with him through prayer. He, he's given us that vehicle. He's given us the scriptures to learn more about them. I think he's created in everyone an innate drive to know a higher being. When you look through the pages of history, so many of, of the ancient civilizations worship a God or gods. I think that's because God has created in each and every one of us an innate desire to know a higher being. Now, unfortunately, the case for, for a lot of uh, the, these guys and gals through history, they're worshiping the wrong God or the wrong gods. But I think God has given us that desire. He's given us that intuition that, hey, there's something more than the, going on than what the eye can see. On top of all of that, God's laid down his son for us so that we could enjoy all of eternity with him and his kingdom. And on top of that, God offers his spirit to us. If, if, if we devote our life to him and we live a life of faith, we accept the sacrifice of Christ Jesus with, with our life through our faith, then God fills us with, these, with his spirit. All of these things God is doing so that he can have a relationship with you. And now God is saying it's your turn. It's your turn. Let me see you draw near to me. And we are assured if we put forth the effort and the practice of drawing near to God, God will replicate that effort. God will draw near to you. I do not think it is any coincidence at all. Uh, when I take a look at my life with God, my, my relationship with God, when I think about the times where my relationship with him was the, 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 the biggest thing in my life, where, where no other time in my life, it was more of a priority. I think of my personal spiritual retreats where I'm getting away from the world and, and I'm just 24-7 focusing on God. I don't think it's any coincidence at all that's during these retreats, I feel closest to God. As not only am I drawing near to God, 
but I have seen firsthand God doing the same, respecting me, drawing near to him. And I sincerely believe God drawing near to me as well as a two-sided equation, two-sided relationship. And so we have to make that move. We have to make that move to, to seek communion with God, an intimate relationship with God through the exchanging of intimate feelings and intimate thoughts. And if we do, God will draw near us. So the purpose of prayer is to commune with God, to have that intimate relationship with God, to share those intimate thoughts and feelings with God. And on top of communion, uh, communion with God, there are plenty of other reasons to pray to God as well. Hilary Foy uh, wrote an article highlighting the why. Why pray? She provided 10 different reasons to pray. And I just want to go through each of these 10 reasons very quickly. We're going to go rapid fire here. The first reason uh, she provides is God calls us to pray. Philippians 4, 6, in every situation, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, without ceasing, and Luke 18, 1, and without giving up, we are to seek to, we, we are to pray to God. And so that's one reason to pray to God is that God tells us to pray. When God tells us to do something, we should listen to God who, who is uh, all wise and all knowing and knows the best things for us. So God calls us to pray. And so we should follow suit with that. Another reason why we should all be praying is that Jesus prioritized prayer. Jesus made communion with God the first priority in his life. Jesus made a practice throughout his life, throughout his ministry, where he would get up early in the morning, he'd get away from the world, get away from his disciples, get away from his followers, and he would seek that one-on-one -on -one communion with God, seek that relationship with God through prayer. And Jesus has given us a model. He's given us an example to follow. And so because Jesus prioritized communion with God because Jesus prioritized prayer in his life, you better believe that we too ought to prioritize prayer in our life. I mean, if there is one human being in the history of mankind who wouldn't need to prioritize prayer, it'd be Jesus. Because Jesus is the most in tune with God, more so than any of us. He, he is closer to God than any of us. Jesus had a super high calling here on earth. There are so many people that Jesus could have consumed all of his time teaching and preaching, but he chose not to teach and preach to some because he prioritized prayer in his life. And because Jesus prioritized prayer in his life, we have got to prioritize prayer in our lives as well. Another reason is that our heavenly father rewards us when we pray. Matthew 7 uh, talks about, Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount, that the Father gives good gifts to those who ask him. I mean, many of us have a loving father uh, here on earth and come birthday, Christmas time, or throughout the year when we ask our, our father for something, a lot of times our father will, will give us uh, what we are seeking, give us what we desire. How much more so will, the, will our heavenly father who has all power in heaven and on earth, give us good things when we ask him. And so our heavenly father truly does reward us when we seek him in prayer. Another reason is that prayer strengthens us against temptation. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, the, the night before his crucifixion, he took a couple of his closest disciples with him. 
And he instructed his disciples in Matthew 26. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus recognized the importance and the power of prayer keeping us from falling into temptation. If you are struggling within addiction, you are struggling with the same sin over and over and over and over again, seek God in prayer. Prayer is such a powerful tool against temptation in our life. And so the second that urge comes to you that that you need to take part in, in the sinful activity, Drop to your knees and seek God in prayer. Maybe if you're out in a public situation, maybe in your head, say that prayer to God and ask God for that strength to overcome this temptation that you are experiencing. Another reason to pray is that God uses our prayers to accomplish his will. You know, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, where we're praying for God's will on earth as it is in heaven. How awesome is that, that we can be a partner in praying for God's will to happen here on earth. Another reason is that prayer is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is so, so powerful. I I look forward to uh, throughout this series where we're going to spend one Sunday devoted to this topic of looking at how strong prayer is coming from the lips, coming from the heart, coming from the mind of a righteous person. Prayer has power and it is effective. Another reason is that prayer gives God glory. When ordinary people like you and I wholly depend on an extraordinary God, he gets all of the glory. So when we seek God in prayer, God is given glory. Prayer also helps us to receive and give forgiveness. Uh, Again, in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, we were praying for for God to forgive our sins as we forgive those who have sinned or trespassed against us. And so when we are seeking God in prayer, it helps us to receive that forgiveness from God, to recognize the forgiveness that we have received. It also highlights to us the importance uh, of giving that forgiveness to, to those around us as well. Number nine, prayer reveals the sufficiency of God's grace. So we were talking uh, this morning in our Sunday school class, talking about the uh, parable of the manager and the people working for him. Some came early in the morning, some came in the evening, and they all received the same wage. And one can look at that and say, that's not fair. Let me tell you, that is not fair. That's not fair that the workers who came the first thing in the morning came to work uh, and the workers who came just an hour before the work shifted ended, they all received the same payment. That's not fair. But you know what? You do not want to be treated fairly. You do not want to be treated fairly, but by a God who is abounding in his grace. God gives us so much that we don't deserve. We do not deserve to be called a child of God. We do not deserve to have this hope in the coming kingdom where everything wrong with this world will be made right. I thank God that God does not treat me fairly. I praise God that God treats me with grace. He treats me in a way that I am so undeserving. And when we seek God in prayer, it reveals God's grace in our lives. And finally, another reason is that prayer keeps us thankful. We recognize the grace that God has for us. We recognize the blessings upon blessings upon blessings that God provides for you and I day in and day 
out. Prayer is to our benefit. It is a vehicle that God has provided for you and I so that we can experience communion with God. Prayer is at the heart of our relationship with God, the heart of establishing this intimate relationship with God where we can share these intimate thoughts and feelings with God. And so our life should be devoted to a life of prayer. If your life is not devoted to a life of prayer, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're, you're doing this life thing wrong if your life's not devoted to prayer. And the wonderful thing about a relationship with God is that we are assured that when we seek him, when we draw near to God, we are assured that God is going to replicate that same effort, that same practice, and God is going to draw near to us. I'm positive so many of us here sitting here this morning, we have experienced that firsthand. We put forth that effort of making God a priority in life, of making prayer in our life a priority. So many of us have a testimony to, to, to prove that God does draw near to us when we seek to draw closer to him. And now some of you may be thinking right about now that this is great and all, this whole communion with God, establishing that this intimate relationship with God. We see the importance of prayer. Some of you guys may be, may be asking, how do we go about it? How do we seek God in prayer? How do we go about establishing a life of prayer? Some of you guys may have doubts this morning about how effective and powerful your prayers are. Maybe you've prayed for that family member of yours, that friend of yours that was sick. You prayed for healing, and yet that person passed away. Person fell asleep in death. So maybe you're doubting the power and the effectiveness of prayer. Maybe you're someone who, who is wondering, what do I even say to a God who knows all? Or what's the purpose of praying to a God who knows all already, who knows our every thought, our every intention? What's the purpose? If that's you, if you have some of these questions going on in your mind, I encourage you to stick with us as we go throughout this series all about prayer which is communion with God, establishing that relationship with God. And hopefully by the end of this series, you'll be strengthened in your walk of faith with God. You'll be strengthened in your relationship with God through prayer. Hopefully throughout this series, you'll have a better idea of what to say to the all-knowing God. Hopefully throughout this series, you'll understand the intense power and effectiveness that the prayer of a righteous person has. And so I sincerely look forward going through this series with you all as we seek to have communion with God. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for the ability to directly communicate with you the creator of the heavens and the earth, the God of all mankind. Father, I pray that we can get giddy about that, pray that we can get excited about that fact, that blessing of being able to directly communicate and directly commune with you, Father. Father, it's my prayer that everyone here at North Hills, that we follow the example of your son, Jesus, and we prioritize prayer 
in our lives. So God, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.